Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. All groups of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 17th of February. That's right, Giselle. It's a welcome and it's great to be back as a duo here because, of course, we know which side we're on, <laughs> even though... Not each other's, apparently. Apparently, <laughs> because we did, I did hear what you said last week, <laughs> listeners. And as listeners can remember, when I did the first show by myself, I only said a really nice thing about my radio partner. But last okay. week... okay. I'm going to leak was, the emails to our listeners. They'll, some, they'll, they'll know soon enough how you treat me off air. That's right. And of course, what listeners don't know is that... Obviously, got a tooth out this um, week. So if I actually start to dribble on air on whatever, then you I know, don't they know they won't see it. I don't know they need to know this. I'm I not sure this is radio worthy myself. It's radio worthy <laughs> because it's it's my state of physical and mental being, and this is how you treat me. Anyway, Giselle, what's on today's show? Well, in the second part of the show, we're going to hear from Celeste Little. She is the Aboriginal uh, liaison officer at the NTU, um, and she. Was also one of the organisers of this year's Invasion Day counter demonstration, um, and we'll be speaking about Invasion Day and change the date. Uh, we know it's a little bit late, given um, Invasion Day was the twenty sixth of January, but it's still an important conversation. That, that's right, and uh, we did have other things in uh, that came up, but that's that's fine. And also, just to um, again, they, they, part of the, the debate is also about whether it's abolish the date, change the date, Invasion Day, etc. Etc. But of course, we'll have your, the usual news roundup before um, we get to it. If uh, if Giselle can stop doing the Sudoku puzzle instead of concentrating, because of course, Giselle, who brings you Asia Pacific Current well, every week? I was going to say I need to do the Sudoku so I don't watch you dribbling over the panel on the other side. Um, Asia Pacific Currents, though, is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. You can find us on Twitter and social media uh, and Facebook. So look us up on those social media platforms. But of course, if you do want to email us, you can do that at aawl at aawl.org.au. And some of us who are nice will respond to you. Anyway, let's get to the news roundup. But Giselle, clearly before, not me, uh, listeners. You won't get a response from me. Shall I kick off with? That's I will right. kick off here on Three CR Radio, favorite community radio station. <laughs> of course, subscribe a week, Giselle. Oh, of course. You, you know, if you want to continue to hear this uh, violent banter between Pierre and myself, you do need to keep us on air. Uh, we do rely on our listener sponsors, such as yourself. Give us a ring here at the station on nine four one nine eight three double seven during business hours, or visit our website or the w's.3cr.org.au. That's the digit three, not spelt out in letters. Um, and subscribe online. Fantastic. All right, let's see what the, how, how our, our movement did this week around We're the gonna region. We're going to kick off in Western Australia, actually, after almost two years of negotiations and a 180-day strike. Maintenance workers at the Griffin Coal Mine in the West Australian state of Australia signed an agreement to go back to work with the company. 
While the workers defeated attempts by the company to cut their wages by over 40%, they did agree to take a 20% cut. In addition, the company was able to achieve cuts to the manning levels at the company. The dispute is an example of the brutal industrial relations environment in Australia and the ongoing offensive by capital to break workers' organisations and conditions. Uh, yes, let's hope that the workers can reorganise now. We now go to Sri Lanka, where the occasion of Valentine's Day um, earlier this week was used by human rights activists and families in Sri Lanka to highlight once again the thousands of people who were disappeared during the country's civil war. Over the last year, especially protests have become more intense as family members fear that as the years pass, the memory of the civil war and of their family members will also be buried forever. Unfortunately, the climate of impunity that existed during the long years of civil war has not lifted, thereby continuing to hamper any investigations into massacres and disappearances. And of course, as we know from other countries around the world, the fight for justice can unfortunately take a long time. In India this week in Coimbatore, Tamil Nadu, six workers of LGB Roland, which is a large manufacturer of automobile chains, um, so six workers were arrested for taking industrial action. All these workers are leading members of the newly formed union at this manufacturing plant. The workers' demands focused mainly on getting wage rises and securing permanent work contracts for hundreds of temporary workers. The company is a vicious union buster that's managed to stifle all attempts by its workers to form independent unions for the last 60 years. The repression of auto workers in the state of Tamil Nadu is ferocious, as the ongoing detention of the pre-coal workers exemplifies. 60 years is a fairly long time to be a union buster, but uh, let's hope they've finished. But, um, you know, it shows how hard the struggle is. But we do go to another story in uh, India where there is some uh, good news where it's another another group of auto workers, the Bajai auto workers, where they've reached a breakthrough in negotiations with management and ended their indefinite hunger strike um, that was launched at the start of this week. The workers took action against management's delaying tactics over unfair termination and wage revisions. Following the hunger strike and negotiations, the um, the management agreed to implement a wage rise um, at the Akardi plant and give wa- and give uh, back pay, and also agreed to collect- collectively bargain with the union. They've also committed to reinstate six employees that were fired in in two thousand and sixteen, as well as to start discussion with the union about the eight workers who were sacked in two thousand and thirteen. And again, this is very much. Uh, you can see the, 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 how long these disputes and how brutal they, um, they are. Earlier this month, Reza Shahabi, a member of the Tehran Bus Workers Syndicate, was given a five-day reprieve from his jail sentence in order to get proper medical care. So Reza is from Iran, for comrades that missed that. Reza, who's been in prison for his labour activities, is in a bad state of health, having suffered two strokes last December. In other labour news, a militant Haftape Sugarcane Workers Syndicate has announced that they'll take over management of their workplaces if their salaries and other demands are not met. 
These sugarcane workers have a long and heroic history of struggle. Meanwhile, the protest wave of the last two months is continuing, albeit in a more hidden fashion due to government repression. But if workers are talking about factory occupations, there's uh, some serious movement in Iran. I, I think there are. And um, I remember last year we said we we're going to get a, um, a direct interview with someone in mm. there. I think we need to uh, restart that process again. And obviously, it will take a few weeks. But a few weeks? Maybe a bit longer. Remember the interviews we did in Nepal during the Estates of Emergency? They were very difficult. That's right. That's right. So we will. We are still working on that to get you um, uh, news from the ground. And our last news item comes from Bahrain, where on Wednesday of this week, uh, February 14, thousands of people took to the streets in towns and cities in Bahrain to mark the seventh anniversary of the start of the protest movement in Bahrain. These protests began as part of the Arab Spring, where working-class communities demanded less exploitation, corruption and poverty. While the original protests in Bahrain were severely repressed, the movement has not been defeated. The demands from the protesters are for the royal family to resign, and the repression and the discrimination and free political prisoners. And that's the end of the news roundup. And as you can see, uh, how would you uh, put the score uh, scorecard for our movement over this week, just from these... Uh Look, there is some moving backwards and moving forwards. It's very difficult. Uh, it's actually a hard question, Pierre. Um, I think certainly in Australia, I think we are going backwards. I do think it's time to fight, and I'm not sure that our unions are gearing up for the right kind of fight. Oh, that's very prosaic words there. So we'll just have to um, keep uh, keep listeners uh, informed and involved. But uh, yes, it's it's difficult to um, to get a, a good gauge. But we are certainly under attack all around the region. We'll go to a committee announcement, then we'll come back with the um, interview with Celeste Little about Invasion Day. <laughs> In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for $49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org. .au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. You're listening to 3CR Radio. It's just on um, 12 past 9 o'clock here on Saturday morning. And I did forget to say thanks to Annie for another very interesting program of Solidarity Breakfast. And the music that uh, we listened between the two shows was That's Your Way Out by the Pandoras. So um, thank you again, Annie. I'm sure you'll be back next week with another uh, entertaining and informative program. But a couple of weeks ago, we managed to catch up with 
with Celeste Little, who is a social commentator, an Indigenous Liaison Officer with the NTU Union here in Victoria, but also one of the main organisers of the Invasion Day protests uh, that happen every year to, um, well, to mark Australia Day or to protest against Australia Day and to um, make sure that the history of Aboriginal people, the struggle, colonialism and dispossession is remembered. The um, Invasion Day rally that happened in Melbourne on the uh, 26th of January was quite big. You were quite central to that um, rally. Can you describe to us that day? It was pretty amazing. So, you know, I think that the media actually... Well, the the accurate reports from the media, I should say, um, reported anywhere between 40 and 60,000. But the organisation that went into that was was quite intense. So, so, you know, we had a lot of speakers on the day. We were trying to reinforce the message of, of it being an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander sovereignty rally rather than just a rally to change the date. So we were really, we're really trying to put Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander issues central. And what what I really loved about the buy-in from all the people that assisted us and came along on the day was the fact that they took that information, they absorbed it, and they walked in solidarity. So it was it was a good day. We certainly agree with with that. It was a fantastic day. One question I want to ask about it is: obviously, you've talked about the the demands. There has been lots of commentary about whether it was about change the date, about whether it was just to have Invasion Day or abolish the day. Where do you see that conversation or discussion going? So I'm hardcore on the side of abolish and one of the things that we really wanted to promote was at the Melbourne rally was the fact that it was 80 years since the first day of mourning protest. So... 80 years ago, a bunch of activists from from Melbourne, from Cumbergundra and from Sydney got together and staged a protest in Sydney against the official 150-year anniversary celebration. You know, change the date when it comes to those sorts of legacies and the fact that 80 years later we're still fighting for the exact same thing in, in various ways doesn't really cut it. Change the date is an easy in for a lot of people because it kind of says that there's a problem with this celebration. But it's not why Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people march on that day. We march for sovereignty, we march for land rights, we march for self-determination and treaties and so forth. And we march to highlight the issues that our people face. So the date itself... um, what we're concerned about is if the date just changes, then we're celebrating genocide on a different day, and that was very much the message that we wanted to get across, that changing the date is not enough. And certainly for the participants who were there, that was quite strong, and there were some fantastic speeches. Now, of course, the commentary afterwards and the pushback, not surprisingly, from some of the mass media and from the conservative politicians has been quite strong after that rally. Have you felt the pressure yourself? I honestly felt the pressure while going into it, mainly because we're having the same discussions year after year and 
and in addition to that, one of the things that they really tried to do, the media and the politicians, was to try and get right-wing Aboriginal people to argue the point with progressive Aboriginal people over and over again, and I wasn't too interested in that. But that being said, after all that education and all of that, some of the negative media has been focused on one small comment after all of those speeches, and as you said, there were so many on the day, one small comment that one of our younger organisers said on the spot trying to illustrate the passion that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people feel on the day and the sorts of issues that we're, we're facing when we go out there on the streets. And I think the media's been quite awful and horrendous and I hope that they're starting to they're starting to take stock of what it is they're doing because demonising one young Aboriginal activist to try and discredit an entire movement which is a movement in Melbourne that was 60,000 people strong is, is quite abominable. We would certainly agree uh, with what you said and it's interesting about that you mentioned about getting right-wing voices from the Aboriginal community to speak against Stu. That, that was quite apparent. But I want to um, just focus on something that I think a lot of, of people who are in support of the Aboriginal movement, in support about land rights, etc., etc., how the conversation, the discussion doesn't really seem to have gone very forward the last few years. It sort of seems stuck. Why do you think that is so? Part of me thinks that that is so because I guess because things like change the date ultimately easier outcomes for people to for people to grapple with. So if it comes down to the fact that we're just protesting a date rather than protesting an entire existence, then people can identify with that. And unfortunately, the education that we have to do on that front, um, chipping away and saying that we've got Aboriginal people living in severe poverty with their entire lives governed in certain areas of this country and they're still exploited for free labour. Those sorts of messages take time for, for them to gain traction within the broader mainstream. So part of my argument is that 60,000 people says that there's sections of the mainstream that are trying to buy into this message and they're, they're understanding that it's not good to celebrate on a date that actually is about colonisation and genocide and so forth. But there's still further education to go and that's going to be a long-term project in a country that has actively supported over a significant period of time things like the White Australia policy and referred to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander views of history as black armband views. I think you're right that I think the, the struggle still has unfortunately um, some way to go. I just want to now just focus slightly more because you're also a strong union member and involved in your union. Where do you see the role of your union or the unions in general in, uh, in the struggle? We still had to educate members of the union, but one of the best things I saw this year was the fact that Trade Hall, with its staff, put out a statement that they were, they were electing to work on Invasion Day this year, that all of the staff that they had within Trade Hall were being involved in the Invasion Day process was considered part of their work. So 
probably that's a bit more of what I'd love to see across the other unions, the idea that campaigning for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander rights, particularly when Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander labour rights in this country, through things like the Community Development Program, is still not granted. Um, coming to the table and saying this is an important issue for our country and we need to we need to ensure that we're supporting that. So one of the best things that we had on the day was, apart from all of all of the community activists that um, volunteered as marshals through the day, we also had a lot of trade hall people acting as marshals. And I don't think that we could have been as successful as we were if we hadn't have had all those dedicated marshals from the broader community political movements and trade hall coming together and making sure that everything ran smoothly. As a last question, I mean, obviously Invasion Day, the 26th of January, comes around only once a year. So where does the movement go in the next few months in the second half of the year? Because like you said, the whole day, the whole Invasion Day encapsulates a lot of other issues. The interesting thing about that 1938 day of mourning is what happened to that action and those, those acts of it and the, the sort of issues that they brought to the table ended up being watered down into things like NAIDOC week, for example. So you know, Aboriginal people are often out on the streets protesting various issues, particularly like forced closures or forced labour or whatever else. Um, deaths in custody and so forth. I think the next challenge for us is to re-radicalise NAIDOC because we're in a unique position this year where NAIDOC is actively celebrating the acts that women within our community take. We are on a significant anniversary that ties directly into NAIDOC and therefore trying to engage all of these other people in that sort of method and highlighting why it's important and why we need to keep this ball rolling in the face of such adversity. We've got a lot of education to do, but I think that going off the back of what we managed in Melbourne, I think that it's possible. We would certainly agree with that. And certainly I'd just like to add that, uh, you know, if you look at it historically and you did briefly mention the the forced labour of countless Aboriginal people over the years and then the stolen wages issues, these are all are parts of Australian history, of Australian exploitation that have never really been acknowledged or redressed. Yes, and they're definitely union causes to take up. So stolen wages, the community development program, which is currently exploiting um, remote communities. There's so many things that we can tackle and there's so many ways that we can get that message out. And we're in a unique position in this particular anniversary to be able to do that, I think. We certainly hope so and we'll certainly uh, keep, keep in touch and we'll do our best um, to work together and to have a successful year. Thank you so much and thanks for your support, dear. All right, no worries. Thank you very much, Celeste. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. 
years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for $49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. Twenty-four minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents with Pierre and Giselle. And I'm just going to keep talking and not give you an opportunity to even utter a word, Pierre. How do you feel about that? Well, that's actually usual, <laughs> usual bullying that's and right. harassment. Really, nothing, uh, nothing unusual. But that was uh, Celeste Little, who is an NTU organizer, social commentator, commentator, and uh, one of the main uh, activists who organised the um, the Invasion Day protest here in Melbourne. It was really great listening to that again. I was one of the. I was. At that demonstration, I was working with the organisers at the front of the rally, um, and I think for anybody that was there, you might remember just how extraordinary an event that was. I don't think we've had demonstrations that big in Melbourne for a very long time, so it was um, quite elating to be on the street with 50,000 other people. It was a fantastic um, demonstration, and of course, um, you're actually involved in organising another very important Demonstration coming That's up right. in a few weeks yes. for International Women's Day, which of course uh, you might surprise. I actually know the day. It's the eighth <laughs> of March, Giselle. Yes, lucky Pierre, I would <laughs> expel you otherwise, <laughs> single-handedly expel you. Um, that's right. So. For the last few years, the International Women's Day Collective has been working more and more closely with Trades Hall and the organised union movement to locate this particular um, political occasion inside the labour movement, where it belongs. I mean, the history of International Women's Day is that it is International Working Women's Day. And those of you who are learned on things such as history and the Russian Revolution will know that it was the demonstrations for International Women's Day, not quite the 8th of March, it was a different calendar, um, but it was those demonstrations that sparked, those bread queues that sparked um, the Russian Revolution. So a really important historical and protest occasion, which uh, for the last few years we've been bringing back to IWD. So not this celebration of how wonderful women are, none of that rubbish. Um, so this year uh, the demonstration is at 5.30 on Thursday the 8th of March. This is another development. So rather than having it on a weekend closest to the date, we're actually marking the day. Um, and we've got uh, some international union speakers, some local union speakers, um, and some speakers on some issues that are really important for the women's movement, things like domestic violence and um, the kinds of leaves that are required from work when the circumstances you're living in are those of violence at home. 
Um, but also looking at the public housing, um, the the well, the proposed sale mm-hmm. and privatisation of um, public housing by the Labor state government. Um, so some speakers on those issues as well. Uh, and, of course, uh, on the issue of police accountability. So we'll have a, um, a speaker to look at that and the vilification of young Sudanese people at the moment. Sounds like a full program. It is a full program. It's going to be an excellent dynamic um, demonstration. And we really want people to come and march under their union banners. So if you're in a union, um, talk to your union about going with flags and marching with them. We know that not all women work and we certainly know that there are um, retired and unemployed workers. So, you know, want everybody there. That sounds fantastic. And just a very quick question because we've got about one minute to go. All the, um, there's been a lot of lot of media commentary about harassment of women in the last 18 months, two years. Has, what effect has this had on RWDD and, and the work that you're doing? Well, that's a really interesting question and I've only got two minutes to answer it. But, yes. I, I mean, firstly, I do commend the women in Hollywood that are coming out and talking about the sexual harassment that they're being subjected to at work. So there, there is that and I don't want to detract from that at all. And the feminist movement has engaged with this kind of testimonial method of activism for a long time. I also I think it is time to get beyond Me Too. I think it's time to get beyond testimonial and personal experience. Violence against women is systematic. It is uh, systemic and it requires a class-based response. So rather than focusing on testimonials and personal experience, a lot of the work that IWD is doing is to highlight the um, – collective nature of our oppression and the collective necessity of our resistance. Well, that's a a very succinct and and a a very well put point, uh, Giselle. So um, thank you very much. I get the feeling that you've probably explained this to a few other people as well. So um, she just had a very big smile there. All right, but that's really the end of our program of Asia Pacific Currents. It's brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links at 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning here on your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio. Stay tuned for Palestine Remember, but that's all from... On me, Pierre Morrow. We'll be back next week. And oh, did, did, were you letting me close out the show as well? Did you think? <laughs> Thank you. I'm Giselle Hannah, and we'll uh, we'll be back next Saturday with more news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific currents <laughs> from the Asia Pacific region. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.